Today on CityCast Philly, it's the Friday News Roundup. Remember the midterm election just a few days back? Well, CityCast Pittsburgh host Morgan Moody and Spotlight PA's Capitol reporter Stephen Caruso are breaking down the results and what the Pennsylvania blue wave means for our state. It's Friday, November 11th, 2022. I'm Trinae and this is CityCast Philly. Joining me now is CityCast Pittsburgh host Morgan Moody. Morgan, how did you hold up this week? Tired. Tired. Yeah, I think I just anticipated so much more happening. And um, I don't know, wasn't as crazy as, as I thought it was going to be. Stephen Caruso is our guest today. He's the Capitol reporter for Spotlight PA. Stephen, how are you doing? Uh, you know, I kind of agree with Morgan, where I was almost prepared for be a little more crazy. Not that it wasn't a long night, uh, like Tuesday. Yeah. It, it's been busy. That's accurate. Yeah. So, Stephen, our team and probably, like you said, a lot of people thought we were going to bed on election night without knowing many or even any of the results. And we'd been hearing messages that the ballots would take a long time to count Accuracy is really important, you know, more important than speed. But that's not what happened. A lot of the races were called on election night, including ones that were expected to be really tight. So what happened? What's the deal with that? Yeah. So I think a lot of that has to do with, well, it has to do with a couple of things. So there were fewer mail-in ballots requested this time around than in previous elections. In 2020, I think there were two, maybe three million mail-in ballots. Pretty sure this year it was million and change. Um, so they're just, like, counties weren't as swamped uh, as they were previously to process those. And they've now done it for, you know, two elections. Uh, so they kind of have a better sense of how they do it. They bought maybe extra technology that lets them do it quicker, big machines that can open these ballots. And we joked a lot about the absurd amount of ways and the frequency like with which the Democratic Party was reaching out to, you know, potential voters, would be voters. But the amount of Gen Z and young voters uh, was up at the polls here in Pittsburgh. It was up over 30 percent in I think it's District 4 in Oakland. So do you think all of the advertising, you know, had an impact on voter turnout? You also talked about the mail-in ballots. And I know there were a lot of uh, younger people that requested mail-in ballots to this election. I think what I could say is that, like, I believe Laura Putnam, a really smart University of Pittsburgh uh historian who also does a lot of uh, moonlighting on studying grassroots politics, she often looks through uh, voter registration data. And if I'm not mistaken, I think she might have seen that like a lot of young people were uh, new young people were registering. Um, you know, mm. look, I think abortion rights being on the ballot made it a very personal issue, particularly for young women, uh, but, you know, also young men who, you know, might be thinking about that. Uh, I think that uh, there was a lot of frustration with sort of, politics overall and just overall i mean voter turnout was really high it was like presidential level high in some counties uh 50 60 percent for a midterm that's crazy like people right. are voting a lot more and i think we've seen this consistently in the trump era since 2016 2018 2020 2022 a lot of people turn out the vote yeah it felt like there was somewhat of a blue wave that swept through pennsylvania this election the governor and now the U.S. Senate seats are held by Democrats. And the Dems 
even seem poised to take back control of the state house. So why is that notable, Stephen? I'm going to crib something from Chris Potter at WSA. I was on a show with him and he he said that he kind of thought that what we were seeing in a down ballot this year is what people expected in 2020. Uh, and I, I think I would co-sign that opinion. In 2020, we saw Biden won, but Republicans did really well down ballot. And this year, what we're seeing is like, yeah, Democrats won the marquee races. They might flip a chamber. They held on to all their congressional seats. Uh, and so with all of that, like... Pennsylvania is a swing state, so I don't want to read too much into it in the future. I mean, you know, um, I, I saw uh, somebody, I saw Mark Levy on Twitter, the AP's reporter, say that like since the Civil War, Pennsylvania has only had a Democrat, two Democratic senators, a Democratic governor, uh, for two years. So that was from two thousand eight to two thousand ten. So this is rare that we're seeing Democrats sort of have this big a say in government and, and in the control. I think in the moment, yes, Democrats have many, many reasons to be like, look at what we just did. I, Republicans are licking their wounds. I've talked to many who are very frustrated, you know, and, and it's funny, you know, some are saying it's because we weren't Trumpy enough. Some are saying it's because we have to moderate. But, you know, yeah, in the short term, uh, what this means for the next two years, especially with, you know, I cover state government in particular in Harrisburg is really going to be huge. I mean, Democrats haven't had a a say in the legislature since 2010, and now they suddenly are just going to be playing defense. They can do lots of things that are on the table that did not seem like they would be just even three days ago. Having this new governor be from the same party as the outgoing governor, does that signal anything about, you know, PA? We're, we talked about we are a swing state, but are we are we turning more blue at all after this election, do you think? Yeah, I, I still think, you know, this is one data point. The demographic trends in Pennsylvania favor Democrats. Places that are growing are blue. The places that are shrinking in population are red. Like rural western PA, which is the most some of the most red parts in central PA, less, fewer people. There are more people in not even just Philly, but Allentown, where I live, in Harrisburg, York, Lancaster. And these are areas that are disproportionately starting to vote more Democratic. But I also just, I think it is too early. Republicans are going to be talking, how do we reverse this? There's, you know, there are people with lots of money who are going to have a vested interest in keeping Pennsylvania red. Right. One And one thing that I, I noticed uh, in having different conversations with people who identify as being, you know, Republican, they were saying that they found Doug Mastriano to be on the extreme end of things and a little bit too extreme of a candidate for, for them. You know, we do know that he... Mastriano is a, an election denier. He was at the Capitol riots on January 6th. Um, we know his stance on abortion. He, he thinks that women should be charged with murder if if they get an abortion. Do you what do you think this means, I guess, in terms of for the Republican Party, the future of the Republican Party in Pennsylvania? Because I feel like we are seeing a lot of these extreme ends um, on the on the political scale. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, the fact is that 48% of the Republican electorate picked Mastriano as their preferred candidate in uh, the primary. So that is obviously, a, you know, almost half a Republican said, this guy is my guy. Right. Uh, so, you know, a lot of it, you know, with, with closed primaries, the candidates you get are the candidates that the registered voters wanted. So, you know, I think that's going to be a push-pull in the Republican Party is like, you know, I had a conversation with Jeff Coleman. He's a uh, he ran for lieutenant governor and lost this year, uh, and he's a former state house member. He 
he's also like uh, you know he I think he comes from a, a one of the more like anti-Trump sort of wings of the party, and he he was saying you know I I you know maybe we need to have a t- conversation of do we need a stronger Republican institutional Republican party that's going to say like you know these are the candidates we're going to get behind because I under you know we understand what voters want, but we also what we have to understand is that if we want to be relevant, we have to win. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think what you point out with Mastriano's uh, extremism, you know, that was the point that Josh Shapiro's ads always hammered. This was an open race in a year where Republicans were expected to do well, and Josh Shapiro just won a swing state by double digits. And that's, I mean, that is, there's no way to slice without saying that, like, you know, he had a lot of money behind him, but also right. the man has a brand and he knew the campaign he wanted to run, and, and he just won it big time. So speaking of Mastriano, uh, it looks like as of Thursday morning, he has not conceded yet. Uh, Steven, do you think this is still a concern? Uh, you know, look, I think that this, uh, uh, very anecdotally, I need to make more phone calls. I've noticed at the bottom of the ticket, too. I talked to uh, the camp- the Democratic campaigns in two races in northern Pittsburgh for Statehouse, uh, races that the AP has already called where Democrats have eight, nine, maybe even ten percent margins and they both of them told me they haven't heard a concession um i think this might just be the sort of politics we're in now is that you don't really concede and also what about like before the election there were also concerns that if mastriano lost his supporters wouldn't accept the results yeah i i definitely asked a few mastriano supporters about that i mean i definitely you know i i talked to one woman outside of a shapiro rally in lancaster said if it was a fair election mastriano and i was one I think there's going to be some of that self-circular logic. But, you know, Mastriano supporters are also very faithful. And look, what so what they think in their head and what they tell a reporter could be different things. I don't want to cut that out. But I also talked to a couple of people who voted for him who were basically just like, if God intends it, Mastriano will win. And if he doesn't, it's just part of a larger plan. So I don't know if we'll start to see a little bit more of that, at least being said outwardly to the press. I mean, same thing. I think it's something to keep an eye on. But, you know, it, it, it does seem like the... Republicans are seeing some electoral consequences for putting people, especially in swing states like Pennsylvania, on the ballot and putting fr- and they're being front and center in their rhetoric arguments that like, no, we actually won or this was an unfair election or I don't accept these results. Do you think the Republican Party will challenge the results? Um, we're already seeing some lawsuits challenging some ballots around the edges. Now, AP has called both of the statewide races. So I think it could matter more down ballot, uh, where, yeah, like they're, they're challenging provisional ballots cast by people who are worried that their mail-in ballot was messed up. They forgot the signature. They forgot the date. And they're saying that they couldn't actually file a provisional ballot, which is this special ballot you do at the polls if you're worried about your eligibility. And then it gets um, adjudicated by the Board of Elections in every county. So Republicans are trying to toss out those ballots. And well, Democrats claim they flipped the state house. We're still waiting on some key results all outside of Philly uh, in Montgomery and Bucks County. And there's two races in particular I'm focused on that Republican, the Republicans have held and are trying to hold on to, but they could lose. And provisional ballots could be a really big deal because like, you know, if there's even if there's 30 or 40 or 50 in one of these state house districts, that's enough to change one of those outcomes. Um, and if those get tossed out by this RNC lawsuit, then that could mean the the House stays in Republican hands. So, you know, look, I I don't, on the higher level races, Oz already conceded, uh, Mastriano hasn't. 
I don't know what the mechanisms would necessarily be, but, you know, to challenge, say, the governor's race. So, you know, there could become a lost cause movement, but, you know, it's still developing if we're going to see it. Yeah. And Stephen, what about Pennsylvania's congressional races? Because some of the districts, especially at least out here, were very close on election night to, again, quote Chris Potter in this episode. Um, He had tweeted Summer Lee, first black woman elected to Congress from Pennsylvania, Arvin Venkett, the first Indian American elected to PA legislature. Latasha Mays uh, is the first out black lesbian elected to legislature. She's from here in uh, Pittsburgh. Austin Davis, the first black lieutenant governor. And is a lot of this, I don't know, is a lot of this, were you seeing a lot of this like in other in other districts across the state, like this sort of change? Um, I, a, a little bit. So um, mm-hmm. the state house maps in particular were drawn to try and expand uh, the representation uh, of black and brown uh, lawmakers in Harrisburg because, well, they make up about 20, 25% of the state. They've only been about 12% of the legislature for a long time, maybe 10%. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to see... Like, like in Harrisburg, um, uh, there are two new districts here, Safe Democrat, and they both were won by black lawmakers. Uh, you know, I think that uh, Redding is going to have a Latino lawmaker um, uh, in the state house. Uh, there might be a few others. Mm-hmm. So let's shift and talk about some of the issues that were on the forefront of voters' minds this midterm. Inflation was a big one. Crime and abortion rights were also talked about a lot. Stephen, how do you think our newly elected officials plan to tackle some of those larger issues? So, you know, on crime, uh, I've been hearing some murmurs that the House is actually in next week. So they could go ahead with the impeachment of Philly DA Larry Krasner if they want. Mm. Um, If they're going to want to do that, it's kind of going to be the real question because they now have you know, Republicans lost the majority. I mean, they'll still have uh, the members who serve now serve until November 30th. So it's not like the majority immediately flips. But I just say all that. I'm wondering if their calculus has changed there. Then going forward, you know, I'm sure uh, with with Governor Josh Shapiro, the attorney general and a Democratic um, control of the House, I'm, I imagine uh, stricter gun laws or something that could be thrown out. Uh, there's definitely a lot of folks who are going to want to see that. I mean, they're saying that, look, like, if you want to stop crime, one of the first things we can do is get the guns out of hands of criminals. And, you know, way to do that, pass stricter gun laws. So, you know, that uh, on crime, that's one thing I'm, I, I'd be looking for uh, with the next General Assembly. But with the Senate still in Republican hands, we'll see what happens. Stephen Caruso is the Capitol reporter for Spotlight PA. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. That's all for today here on CityCast Philly. Our lead producer is Alexandra McMahon. Our producer is Abby Fritz. And the Pittsburgh team helped this week. Meg Dalton, Francesca DeBecco, Elizabeth Kama, Mallory Folk, and Morgan Moody. Our newsletter editor is Brittany Valentine. And our host is me, Trinae Nuri. Music is by Philly's own Interminable. If you enjoyed the show and really all this week of shows, why not tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Have a great weekend. Be safe. Bye. Bye.